Welcome to DevMode FM, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Patrick Harrington from Mildly Geeky in Boston. I'm Jonathan Melville from NDE in Atlanta. And I'm Matt Stein from Working Concept in Seattle. And today we have on Stephen Callender from Foster Commerce. How are you doing, Stephen? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excellent. And today we're having you on today to talk about running a profitable web development agency. So if you were out mining for diamonds in Herkimer, New York, and some miner walked up to you and said, hey, you know, kind of thinking about getting out of this mining thing, how would I run a profitable web agency? What would you tell them? <laughs> um, I would tell them that I mean, first you gotta you gotta make money. And, well, I mean, basically, you just you got you gotta make more money than you spend. That's it. Well, okay, obviously, right? And that's the same. Okay, <laughs> so that's like that's like people talk about losing weight, right? So obviously, there's literally one way to lose weight. That's mm-hmm. you take in fewer calories than you burn off. That's it, right? Exactly. Same thing with running a profitable business of any kind. You got to take in more money than you spend. Okay, great. But what are some of the strategies that we might use to to enable this to happen? Ah, uh, yeah. So, well, I mean, so different strategies. I, I can speak to kind of what I use. So I'm not a financial business coach or anything like that. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of them through my years. And my, I've had to learn a lot of the strategies because for some reason, I did not pick them up in my life just naturally. Well, let's go through, um, let's go through your history then. Let's give people some of your background. So if you were not classically trained in, in running a business, so no. what, is, what is your history in terms of uh, jobs and, and, and how you got to where you are today? Yeah. So I think it's relevant to start off like when I went to grad school for marriage and family therapy and uh, and theology. So I have two masters um, and I am not using either of them. So I am. A are, are you married? <laughs> <laughs> I am. I well, am. Then you, you can't. You're you using can't do one? that stuff on yourself. Well, you're still using one. I mean, technically. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. It's true. It's true. But so I, I mean, I was a I was a pastor of a church in LA, and then I was a pastor when we moved out to Columbus here for a little while. So I, you know, I tried to use that degree for a little bit and stuff. But I've been in experiences where having to manage the finances wasn't my role ever. And so it, whenever I got into you know started off with just freelancing stuff, like it was just one of those things where I didn't need to make a lot of money. Kind of when I first started, so money wasn't ever really kind of on my mind. Hold um, on. I'm, I'm, I'm really confused though. How do you, <laughs> how do you go from marriage counseling to preaching to web development? Like what, did, uh, what, what, what happened? I skipped my stuff. So, all right. All right. So I was in LA and that's where I went to grad school. I was in grad school out there and I was, um, I was done. I was working at the church. I met my wife and we, as we were planning to get married and then got married, we both realized that we didn't want to, the, the impetus, we didn't want to start, we didn't want to stay in LA. So LA was just not somewhere we ultimately had family and we just didn't want to be stuck out there. But we also weren't ready to come back to the Midwest, which is where we are now. Um, we knew we wanted to come back to the Midwest for family, but it was kind of like, what do we do? You know, like we want to leave where we are, but we don't want to go where we want to go. So we realized, okay, let's travel overseas. Let's do that whole thing. So we, we planned to go to Argentina. And then I just realized, oh, well, if we're going to go to Argentina, some, one of us needs to figure out how we're making money like right away. So that's when I just got into web development stuff is like I knew a guy who was going to teach me. Um, he taught me some stuff for at least for me to be good enough. You know, I practiced kind of for over a year enough to be able to get some clients and he actually passed on some clients to me. Some of them I still have today. Hmm. And that's kind of where I started. I had enough of background. You know, I'm one of those guys who like I knew like 
you know, modifying CSS, HTML, all that good stuff, you know, at least it knew I was interested in coding, but I was just trying to make money for, for a year, um, enough to like be able to live in Argentina before then we came back to the US and I was going to find like another church job or something. So I wasn't interested in, in developing kind of agency. It was just a stopgap, you know, to like, hey, let's go do this thing until we're, we're ready to settle down. But that turned into a longer thing. Our, our journey in Argentina went from a plan of one year to ultimately three years. During that time is when I learned to code. I got probably good at coding. And I think my experience of working with people and being able to, uh, I mean, I have, I think I just, yeah, I, I like working with my clients and they somehow just kept sticking around. So then I kept getting more and more work. And it just, at the end of three years, I realized that I, I had a company um, and I needed to figure out what to do with that. But I, I was still wasn't thinking financially at that yeah, point. Did you, did you have a plan? Did you have like a, an idea in mind? Like I need to make X amount of money and I'm going to pay myself Y and here are my expenses and all that stuff. Or you just kind of wing it. When you started. Oh, yeah, I was I was just winging it. Mm -hmm. Even even three years later, I was still winging it. So yeah. I had had zero plans. So that was a that was a huge problem. And so yeah, I was just the guy who kind of stumbled into it, and then I kept stumbling, you know, successfully forward and 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 <laughs> getting clients, but. You know, I, th I think ever. there's a lot of that going on. I think in, in I any freelancing business or consulting business, I think there's a lot of stumbling going on. <laughs> what, did, what did that look like at the very beginning? Like, were you just kind of working on like WordPress sites or like, wh what do you start with when you're just starting, but also need to make a business out of it? Yeah. Um, I started with Expression Engine. So the guy who taught me was building sites in Expression Engine. So I said, teach me what you know. I want to be able to make money kind of doing some of the stuff you do. So he put me on some Expression Engine projects and I, I messed a lot of them up, but um, but I learned. And so that's why my original agency name was Shoeshine Design and Development. And that was kind of this idea that for me, I wasn't really mm. building things. I was just cleaning them up. So you you're, know? The, you're the mm. shine boy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was just a hardworking solo guy who was going to come in and just make make it a little bit better, you know. So I could, I could, I, I still joke about I'm a copy paste developer, you know, like, and that's what I was. Like, I couldn't build you the original site back then, but I could fix it. <laughs> so <laughs> I could follow the breadcrumbs of like, where's the where's the problem? And so just kind of problem solve in that sense. So that's where I started, and that's that's how I was able to get work. I was taking on basically the maintenance projects that nobody wanted. People want to build the, the cool new sites and then they don't often stick around with it. I'd be the guy who would stick around with it. So I, I got a lot of work just through the old elance.com back in the days and uh, some word of mouth. And, and that's, I just started off like just this really cool. So, so the more you did, the more you could do. And, and it just kind of kept building from there. Yeah. Just kind of building up the hours, you know, the hours to just get better and better and perfect the, the craft and you have more and more experience and, you know, so, but yeah, we were, I was primarily just doing expression engine projects. So I think everyone here runs their own gig. And mm -hmm. just real quick, like I don't want your whole life story, but everyone here, like, uh, did you have a plan when you started out? Now, obviously you had a plan in terms of I'm going to freelance or I'm going to do consulting or I'm going to run a business. But did you have like a solid business plan with targets and percentages and all that kind of stuff? Patrick, when you first started, did you did you have that kind of stuff already mapped out before you uh, before you I didn't have like. Yeah, I didn't have a business plan like they teach you in, you know, in some sort of business course. Mm -hmm. I, I had an idea of how much revenue I wanted to make per year. I kind of took what I was making at my day job and said, okay, I want to be able to support the lifestyle I have now. So I want to make at least this. Uh, I had some money saved up, but otherwise, no, I, there wasn't any sort of, you know, if I can, uh, except by just journal division, if I can make this much a month on average, then things are going to be okay. Uh, yeah. And 
Patrick. Or sorry, that that was Patrick. And that was me. <laughs> you, and Yonatan, how about you? I feel like I have I probably have like the least plans of anybody here. Like I, I didn't I didn't even sit down and create goals or targets or try to crunch the numbers. Um, probably like I should have. I just kind of stumbled into this and or stumbled into doing it full time, I guess, like as a freelancer. And it just kind of I kept stumbling and stumbling, stumbling. And then I looked up one day and said, oh, OK, I guess I guess this is going to work out. So um, you just kind of winged it. And depending on how I things went, it, I'm were... still winging it, man. I wing it every day. <laughs> and depending on how things go, you either eat lobster or eat macaroni right is that kind of the deal yeah well i mean that's that's not entirely true so i have gotten better you know in the last in the last maybe two years or so of Mm -hmm. actually making a concerted effort to try to uh, you know make make plans into the future and you know run the numbers and all that kind of stuff Um, Mm -hmm. but 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 for many years when i first started i just didn't i totally winged it and matt how about you when you first uh started working concept like uh did you have a whole plan geared up or you just said all right here we go no, it was a really careful step. I'll actually fight Jonathan for the the wing in it title. I it was I think 2009 or something. I was working at a small interactive agency, and I had a thing, a project on the side that you know my bosses at the agency all knew about that was building out a code igniter project, and it could easily have taken all of my time. So that's when I you know talked to them and everything, and decided I was going to switch to doing working full-time, making it up. I figured if it went really poorly, you know, I could live off canned beans and ramen or something. Um, But I had kind of like a foot in the door with a project that kind of launched me. So I didn't start like, I think a lot of people are brave just kind of doing their own thing and then setting up and looking for work. I didn't start looking for work. I had stuff. And Hmm. so I made like a calculated shift into, to, you know, working on my own. So I, I probably, I might have you beat. I mean, I don't know. I, I had it a little bit more secure though. So I started making money for myself. I was probably like 13, 14, something like that. And there's an obvious amount of security that comes with doing that when you're that age, which is that someone else was paying for my uh, room and board, you know? <laughs> so when you were 14? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that might've been 13. I don't know. Something like it. 13 or 14. Is it um, an Ambrosia lemonade stand or? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I started selling stuff on the internet and originally I started selling typefaces that I designed and it was just shareware. So people would like send me checks and I would get cool, wow. uh, I would get, get cool letters from all over the world and like, and some, even sometimes cash and currencies I'd never seen. And it was pretty wild. Um, if you, if you want Andrew's full backstory, I actually interviewed him. So you, uh, yeah. you can, you can hear about yeah. all that. Uh, I'm just pretending not to know it for the sake of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, the the point is, uh, you know, in wrapping around this, that none of us really had a plan, right? And we, we might have had some vague idea, but we kind of just like started it and, oh, okay, money's coming in. That's good. Um, what could possibly go wrong, Stephen? Well, everything goes wrong. So, I mean, I mean, at least if you're me, <laughs> everything goes wrong. So, <laughs> I'm not sure what, what y'all's experience is, but I mean... I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, so for me, ultimately what happened was, so we moved back to the US, right? And we had our, our first child and all of a sudden life was far more expensive than we realized, you know, it's like we, we thought things were kind of good. I was like, oh, just going along with this, this wing in it idea, but that works until it doesn't. Right. And if you don't have a plan, you don't have a system in place, then, then things can fall apart really quickly. And they, they did that for me. So we had large contracts. We had especially one agency we were doing a lot of work for on a monthly basis. Like when I look back, man, I, we should have been 
making a lot of money, but we weren't. And part of it was for me, as I started to add a team, it, there was a complexity mm. that I wasn't ready for, that I was paying them more than we were taking in, partly because I, I, I didn't have a plan, but I also like, it's not nice guy syndrome. It's the sense of that I think I'm a nice guy. And so like I was, I was, you know, being kind to them and like giving them more than what we agreed to with a client. So then I would end up paying them more for than what we actually take in. And mm. I didn't have a way of yeah, that doesn't work. saying no, no. And I wasn't really watching it other than like, how much money do we have now? Okay. As long as we're not negative, but I wouldn't be able to plan even a week later, you know, I had no forecasting abilities whatsoever. And then it got to the end of this contract and all of a sudden we still owe them a couple, you know, like hundred hours of stuff. I have no money to pay my developers to fulfill that. So I just start eating the costs and I'm thinking my main personal problem is like, I'm, I'm an optimist and I mean that, you know, and I'm a blind optimist that I really just kind of like think everything's going to be okay, even though I have no idea, you know, (laughs) Mr. Magoo. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it's, um, it's where I got to was as a company, we got to the end of 2018 and for some people, this might not be a big deal. But when you're running your own company and you're, and you're, you know, yeah, for us, it was a big deal. We were, I was 22000 in debt. By February of 2018, we were $35,000 in debt. So that was obviously, you know, what, 13000 over two months I, I dropped in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going um, the wrong direction. <laughs> very much. <laughs> but I kept thinking it was going to be okay. And I didn't change anything. Right. I just kept hoping, well, if we land that one big project I've been working on, you know, right. if we land this other one. So I had all these like just hopes like, oh, there's this project that it might drop. They keep saying it will, you know, and um, but then time would just keep passing and I wouldn't hear nothing would happen. And then all of a sudden, like for me, crisis hit in my life, like April of 2018. So this is, you know, a little over a year ago where all of a sudden, like I couldn't, you know, I, I actually had, sorry, I had credit card debt on our business. Mm. I went to the bank and got a loan to cover to pay that. And then I racked up our credit card in debt instantly again over that time. So all of a sudden I'm like, I can't do that again. The problem too was, and this is the hardest part of all this for me was, I think more than anything, this is me revealing, learning like who I have been as a person, but like I was hiding that from my wife. So my wife didn't know that I had this debt accrued in my business and that I had no plan to move out, a move out, you know, no plan to, to, to break through it and to move forward. So all of a sudden I'm in $45,000 debt and I have to tell my wife, mm. you know, like this is where we are. Not, so, not an uncommon situation, mm, by the way, like so not a, not an uncommon situation at all. Anyway, yeah. continue. Exactly. And that's kind of why I want to, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it and to, to share because I've talked to a lot of people since the agency owners, freelancers, there's, there's people I meet with, you know, somewhat regularly who have the same kind of problem that I've had in the sense of like how they, they look at numbers and stuff. So, and there's just been some things that have helped me come out of that. But yeah, I mean, my marriage almost fell apart, honestly. So, sure. so, um, you, so you decide you have to go tell her, like, there's this moment where you sit down and you're like, okay, honey, I've got something I've got to tell you. Like what, what happened? What, how did she react to this? Um, so no, it was worse than that. Uh, I wish, I wish I were even that good of a person then, but no, she, she asked me like how we needed to do a financial meeting, which we hadn't done. She's like, we should probably start doing that. And we had the financial meeting. She was like, do we not knowing anything was wrong, not knowing anything was wrong. Uh And she just asked me like, do we have debt? And I told her no. Um, and Mm. again, and then I got to the point really where I, so let's just be fully transparent here. I, I called my parents before I told her and I was like on the phone with my parents, just like, 
I, I'm in a lot of trouble. Do y'all have like any means like to possibly even help me out a bit, you know? And, and I was still trying to hide it from my wife. I was mm. hoping they could possibly bail me out and I could not tell my wife, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was a horrible person. I was so terrified, you know? Now just, uh, just so for, for context, were you the sole provider or was she working as well? No, she's, yeah, she's working too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Another question just, so did it start with credit cards being the way to just bridge cash flow or how did, how did that happen? Exactly. Yeah. It started with okay. credit cards bridging cash flow and not. Got it. Yeah. And then eventually went to like a business line of credit or something like that, which I'm assuming interest was a little bit better, but still, yeah, you know, the fundamentals weren't there. Exactly. And I didn't want to lower my pay. I was paying myself mm-hmm. regularly, a regular pay. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to lower my pay because I was hiding it. You know, if I lowered my pay, I would tell my wife it's not working out. Sure. Know? And so yeah. I, it's really, you know, um, I think I might, there's, I'm not sure that everyone has that dishonesty problem that I've had, you know, but I, there well, there's a lot, do. there's a lot wrapped up in that though. Right. And the, the reason why I ask you if you're the sole provider is that amongst some people, if they are the sole provider, they feel that this is my job and that I'm not doing my job and I'm letting you down if I ever let you know that it's not working out perfectly, you mm-hmm. know, and that can make it psychologically harder. And I, I get where you're coming from, from the point of view of when I first started my business, like, yeah, I, I didn't know anything, right? <laughs> like 14 or whatever. <laughs> but when I actually first started to hire employees on, like certain things happened. I had no idea what the cost of an employee was, right? So, you know, we would, uh, I would hire uh, someone on and then my CPA would be like, well, did you pay the the matching uh, federal taxes? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what, what are you, what are you talking about? You mean I, you mean not only do, do they have to pay, but I have to match it. I have to pay the same amount too. What? what? No one told me that. You know, and then other hidden costs like and this may be dating myself, but we we got a uh, an office and then we got a, a phone system there. And when you sign up for phone numbers, they ask you if it's per residential or business or whatever. And anyone here know what the difference is between residential and business when you sign up with a phone company? three times as much yeah Yeah, it's not only are they charging you more but we i got the phone bill by the end of the uh, you know at the end of some month and i looked at it and it was huge and had all these minutes logged on it right and i was talking to some (laughs) of the people that worked with me i'm like were you calling like you know your boyfriend in ohio or whatever and anything like that and it ended up being that the only difference between a business line and a a personal line (laughs) was that they do it by the minute even for local calls, right? I think that's that's dating myself, so that's really old. The whole point of, of me mentioning all of this is that I understand, like, there are a ton of hidden costs in running a business and in having employees that if you have never done it before, like, you'd be shocked at how much there is there and how quickly they add up, right, Stephen? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even, even those costs, but then, like, for me also, it was just how I ran projects, you know, and it's kind of what I was alluding to of mm. like, I would end up paying out more. I would almost, you know, I'd be just whatever hours you log, I'll pay you. Even though the client said, no, this is a $20,000 gig, you know, right. and all of a sudden the hours start eating more and like, oh, I keep paying it because I wanted to treat it like they were salaried and like, well, salary is the same issue, right? You're paying them no matter what. Right. And so, so, so how did you eventually, how did you eventually break the news to your wife or how did she find out? I guess. Through tears and, uh, and I mean, through yeah, just like, it just, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a difficult night. Um, diff- difficult, you know, it's been a difficult, you know, journey yeah. out of that, but I mean, it was very, you know, heated, not heated, but you know, just a lot of, uh, all the emotions you can imagine. So just like, is this the end of all of it? You know, am I going to have to find another job? Am I going to, you know, 
move out or like what's what's really happening is just kind of unknown so all of that stuff of just and i think just coming to terms with who what i who i've been you know that i, I that wasn't the image i had of myself or that i was like i was capable of that you know mm-hmm. and think, so yeah. all of that just like so yeah i went to therapy and yeah I kind of kind of all sorts of recovery <laughs> And not to get too far into the situation, but when it came to the debt and all, was that, you know, tied to an LLC or an S Corp or something that was detached from you or or was it all kind of in your name and d- doing business as? Yeah. So most of it was in the LLC. So it was in the, in the business. So. Yeah. So yeah, there was some detachment from it if worse came to worse, but still, that, it, yeah, that, I can't imagine the emotions that. Well, sometimes have that kind of yeah. Sometimes, Patrick, but there, especially when you're a small business, a lot of times when yeah. you go to get a loan, they make you sign something that says, yeah. "Oh, and by the way, you're, I personally yeah. guarantee this." Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. So, so if it's yeah. like a single that makes sense, LLC yeah. or something. Yeah, like so there right, is there right. is that corporate veil, but I'm just saying that there are a lot mm. of ways for you to get money mm-hmm. that they're going to require that you personally guarantee it yeah, as that well. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, just, I kept thinking that the way to solve my problem was like to to improve my marketing. Mm. That was the thing that was kind of weird too. When I look back, it's like there's a lot of like agency help people out there. You know, um, I joined one of them and I was a part of the group. I was like hoping to you know help me out of some things. And there's there's a lot of those kind of coaches and and people out there. And and a lot of times they focus on well, if you can just you know get your marketing down and figure out what your offer is at the right price, the right person, the right time, and then then increase your funnel. You know improve your funnel and all that stuff, just then your business will be better. And and so I just worked at that for a long time and realized like that wasn't ever solving my problem. Mm. I didn't And I guess that kind really, of speaks too to how to how you viewed what the problem was. I yeah. Because you saw it as like a oh, I just I don't have enough business or something. Yeah. I just need more revenue. And then if I just get more revenue, then I'll finally figure this stuff out. You know, I just need some more cash in. But yeah. And so ultimately I learned that that wasn't Thankfully, I mean, that wasn't necessarily my problem. My problem hasn't been able to, to generate revenue. My problem has been able to, then once we get it, how to manage it, you know, how to manage the money, how to manage the projects so that I can manage the money and, and keep everybody, you know, paid and, and happy. And so we can keep doing the work that we enjoy doing. So, yeah. So, I mean, the, the ultimately where I got to is, well, I made a couple of agreements, you know, with, you know, at that point was that one, I would definitely start keeping better books and books that can be reviewed and not just kind of relying on, well, I feel good this month. I got a payment, <laughs> but like being able to actually look at like what numbers we had. This is like basic business stuff, right? So just starting to become <laughs> like a real business. <laughs> and and so that's not rocket science, but it's just a matter of the accountability of just, well, I just actually do it, you know? And then I had to cut expenses. We had a designer that I had had on who, who we still use like on a contract basis, but I had her full time for two years mm-hmm. and we never made a profit off of any of her work. We right. were paying her through our dev work. And so just because I thought you're supposed to have a designer on, in, your, in an agency to be respected, you know? So there's a lot of this like kind of figuring out like, what does it even mean to be an agency and to get work? And like, what are people attracted to? So so, yeah, I so, you, so you're almost paying her what, 40 hours a week or whatever, even if she wasn't billing 40 hours a week. Is that? Well, yeah, yeah we fill our it, time yeah, with yeah. random stuff, but it was always just like. Yeah. Steven, we've talked about this. If you want to if you want to lose that dad bod, you can't eat the donuts every day, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, it's true. It's true. Well, I understand some of what you're talking about in terms of that sickening feeling. A lot of people, uh, and again, I'm dating myself, don't realize they look at Apple and they're like, holy crap, they're the most valued company in the world, or they were at some point recently. But as a longtime Apple developer, there was a time 
when it was actually very questionable whether Apple was going to exist. Like literally was whether it was going to exist anymore. And I remember having times where I had like existential thoughts of like, okay, like if they go bankrupt and they stop making this thing that I make my money from, like what the hell am I going to (laughs) do? You know what I mean? So I, I can understand at least to some extent the feeling that you're talking about. So where do we go from here, Stephen? How do we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and get out of this. Hopefully it was with your wife's support. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, full transparency from, from that day forward. So, I mean, so really summer of 2018 is when I would say my, I, I finally had a real business, you know, or really operating like a business and not just a wishful freelancer who had some people working for me, you know? And so even though I've been doing this since 2011, so it took that long, but I, I just, for me, what it took was, was just learning some basics of finances. For some people, they grow up. I talked to another agency owner, you know, uh, who's in the craft CMS world, and he just grew up with his mentality. And so for me, I kind of feel like I'm way behind the times. But what I implemented was a strategy of just allocating budgets. So really, what I'm implementing is is a specific thing from a book called Profit First, and I'm implementing kind of their system. And their system is is one where it, it's basically just a budgeting process. They they have some opinionated some opinions about what profit first means that you actually put aside, even if you need to start off at 1%, you put aside 1% of your revenue into a profit account and you let that just start building up. You eventually start increasing your percentages of profit, you know, but you put percentages. So all your revenue you come in, so you take in $10,000 in a month. So what they suggest is like two times a month on the 10th and 25th, just as an example, you then take all that revenue that's in one bank account and you start, then you split it by percentages into your other actual tangible bank accounts. And a part of their thing is the reason why is a lot of people um, just look at their bank accounts to see how they're doing. And so this way you can still do that. And I was that type of person. I, so I could look at my bank accounts and know where my money is and like know what's budgeted for what, as opposed to needing to use some other software. Like, well, I see how I had this money in my account, but I don't know where it goes. So I have to go look in some system to know that it's claimed and earmarked essentially. So you figure out your percentages, whatever they are for yourself. And, and you just, you just split them up. So on the 10th and 25th, if you have 10,000, so say you have $10,000 on the 10th, and let's say your owner's account, you know, is 30%, you put, you know, $3,000 into there. So your profit account, you know, is 10%, you put, you know, your $1,000 in there and so on into your tax accounts, your operating expense accounts. So that I said owner's, owner's compensation and profit. Those are like kind of the first four kind of expense accounts and you can start to get more defined and refined as you want to. But that's what I started doing was just splitting out and, and then using the mentality and the goal of, you know, you can only spend, for example, for me on my team, I can't be putting, giving them 90% of revenue. Their account is only 50%, you know, right. of all of our revenue goes to them, for example. And and I can't remember what my numbers were originally, honestly, but I know what they are now. But, and that's something you just kind of tweak over time and stuff is, as you add new team members or whatnot. So, but that was, that was just the simple system that I used. Well, and I think the most important thing, the number one important thing about this is that it's forcing you to think about money and profitability, right? The same way that if if you were just, you know, using our analogy before about losing weight, if you're just going out and just like eating anything, right? You have no, you're not thinking about the calories that are coming in. But if you're actually looking and you're like, oh, this is uh, 500 calories. Well, I already had, you know, X, Y, and Z today. So I won't order that, right? And the big thing there is that it's got you thinking about it, right? And in this case, it's got you thinking about profitability. And then also, the second most important thing is that you've got a system, 
you know, a, a very simple system for losing weight is, you know, like don't drink your calories, right? So cut out all the sugary stuff that you drink or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are any number, there are thousands of you know, different systems for losing weight and there are thousands of different systems for being profitable. The important thing in my book is A, you're thinking about it and B, you're adhering to some kind of system that presumably works for you. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I needed one because like, I don't, I can't trust my gut. Right. You know, my gut is not, is not, is, is to be ignored. And so I, I need that guy to say like, okay, on this date, I do this thing, you know, and, and I kind of figure it out from there. So yeah, absolutely. There's, there's different, you know, systems and stuff in place for, for people to kind of figure out like how that, how that gets played out. And so for me, like this one just, just worked really well of, of also letting me see that, Hey, I only want my operating expenses to be 12%. Right. Wait, I'm spending 22%. So I've got to cut some stuff or I can't get paid. And, and what, so and then it, what could I cut? Right. Yeah, Let's start looking at that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I knew I needed to cut our designer. I needed to, you know, stop uh, some some groups that I was in. That I was paying for some coaching things, like just changing servers and stuff. I was doing like finally get rid of all my like stupid domain names for future projects that I want. Guilty. Wait a minute. StephenRulesTheWorld.com is available now. I can go buy that. Yeah, with with a Z in rules. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm keeping on to the S, but the, yeah, I just, I started slicing absolutely everything. Right. Um, so for me, there were things to slice. Some people, they're already lean, you know, in that, but it was, it was kind of, I guess that's the word for it is I wanted to be as lean as possible. So my operating expenses were as small as they absolutely had to be fully remote. So like we don't have an office and, and so that, that part was easier. So you do have fewer expenses in that regard. And, and I will say that if you are a, if you are a uh, freelancer or consultant and it's just you. Right. And occasionally you'll pay some people to work with you or whatever. Believe it or not, that's an act- a much easier situation than if you actually have a team that's depending on you for the money. Like I, I get the stress from that, <laughs> Stephen, because I've been there and it's a very different thing because you've got all these people that are counting on you for their livelihood. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you got two families. I mean, you got your family you need to like provide for. And I mean, so my own personal flaws again, I don't, I mean, we're just like, I hadn't, I didn't think about like retirements. I didn't think about like Mm. 401k, all that stuff. I got a super late start with all this. And so part of it was just the reality of like, I I need just to grow up really fast and growing up like meant just starting to have the discipline of implementing some sort of like system for that. But it's ridiculous how, how easy it is to turn it around when you start paying attention. Right. And for me, like, as you said, it was like, I found a system that worked for me to pay attention. And so, yeah. It, I mean, it, to me, it's, it's almost like naming conventions and programming. Like it doesn't matter like what system you're using for that. It matters that you are using a system. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. just the fact that you're using one is half the battle in terms of, you know, getting something that is worthwhile and is, is worth doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And just start soaking in those, those like, you know, key business ideas and just really learning things. Like I learned, you know, what, what it means to be fully capitalized and how mm. important that is, you know, like I didn't even know what that term was or in that idea. And so, I mean, yeah, even for People who probably don't even know what that is. It's essentially like you have enough cash on hand that you can operate your business. And I mean, fully capitalized can change depending on how many months you need that for. Right. But you 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 need to determine how many months of cash you need on hand in case everything just, you know, hits the fan. Right. That you can keep operating at the level you want to be operating 
So do you have that cash on hand? And that means if you do, then you're fully capitalized. Well, and I think they, it's important to note that it depends on the type of business that you run, yeah. how many months that you might want to have of money yeah. saved up to run the business, right? So if you have a, a very steady revenue stream from you know recurring revenue or, or whatever, I mean, yes, you still should definitely have a couple of months probably saved up. But if you're in the kind of business that's very much feast or famine and very much depends on you know these uh, high variability and big jobs that come in, you're going to need more more money saved up, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, so that's one of the things that I've been kind of trying to even figure out and define. Like we've, I figured out like for us, I think in the type of business we have and how fast things kind of move and, and even the flexibility, like I'm happy at at least like three months, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll probably start building more than that. Um, but I think just as like, all right, am I, am I, you know, using the term like fully capitalized at what point is that? And I think for us, it's, it's three months and, and that's fine. It's because I, going, going three months with no revenue is probably never going to happen, but it, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it could, but really what you're doing is you're providing something that's kind of a ballpark and it's a cushion for maybe six months of half revenue. You know? Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's 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 long enough that like yeah th- that you would make decisions within three months if you can't right you know figure that stuff out. So giving yeah, yourself yeah. time as you f- plummet from the airplane to pull the chute. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I was curious. I mean, so like of what I mean, I think that's even a question that I have. I'm just kind of curious. What I'm, I'm always trying to learn from other people of like what they see. And, and I guess I mean like fully capitalized within the business, even if you're a freelancer of like separating your accounts, you know, um, initially. So you know what your money is versus the business money and like how much should the business have, not just yourself, you should have your own savings clearly. Right. But like that idea of, of business and, and yeah. Um, well, I got, I, I was lucky in that when I was pretty young and, and doing, starting out doing this stuff, I got several pieces of really good advice. So for my lawyer, the really good piece of advice that I got from him was um, that contracts are for what you don't think is going to happen. So the point is to get a contract, no matter who you're dealing with, your best friend you've known for forever, get a contract because the contracts are for what you don't think is going to happen, right? So it's to cover yeah. those edge cases and to get everyone on, you know, the the same page from that point of view. And another piece of advice from my CPA was to start saving immediately for retirement and 401k stuff. So I was lucky enough to started, I think I was started like when I was like 21, started saving and then made it a a company policy that the company would match and all that kind of stuff to, to do that stuff. And then the other piece of advice that I also got from him, like as soon as I found that there are all these like different deductions that we could do and different ways we could pay less in taxes and everything, I was all excited and I kept on like talking to him about, you know, hey, what if we did this or that or, you know, some like real sketchy idea. <laughs> <laughs> that, that probably uh, people go to jail for. Like, what is it? Wesley Snipes? Or like, I don't know, whatever. And the other thing that he told me was, he's like, look, you're really good at what you do. Focus on that. Like, do that thing that you're really good at. You do that. Get the money coming in. I'll take care of the money part because I'm good at that. I'm like, deal. <laughs> He's like, you're a 13 year old with a beard. Let me me focus on what I do. No, no, no. I was, I was a little bit older at this point, but to, to, to Steven's point, I mean, how are you doing it, Matt, in terms of like, are you keeping a certain number of months revenue put aside or, you know, and have you started saving for retirement and are you thinking about all this stuff? We're asking me. Yes. So yeah, I've been a pretty disciplined saver and usually have uh, a somewhat of a, a, a bubble of safety. 
Um, my most recent lesson has been learning. I've taken on an employee and I've learned mm. that in the past decade of working on my own, I basically had the mentality of, okay, I'm, you know, I just need to cover my own pay and yeah. my own minimal costs and that's fine. And the difference between that and having responsibility for somebody else is... <laughs> Yeah. Um, vast. And so I've learned that after reading a few different books and Boss Life was really helpful. I don't know if anybody's read that. It's, it's basically like a long... I'm sorry, time. Boss Baby? <laughs> I read Boss Baby. It was really helpful. Movie. There's a book called Boss Life by Paul Downs. It's Surviving My Own Small Business. He's a furniture maker. He, he runs a shop with uh, several people that make like custom high-end desks, like conference tables and, and things that are somewhat complicated. And he just goes through years of, of describing what it's like to run, run his business and what the different challenges are and what his cash flow is like. He uses numbers and it's pretty, it's not preachy. It's almost like a diary, but he's a good writer. That was helpful for me to realize that other people actually like, it's not just uh I don't know, smooth sailing for it. Anyway, all I'm, I've learned that I've been running essentially a failing business for like a decade. You would, you would never <laughs> that's, know. That's impressive. It's fine. I'm paying myself like I'm, you know, it's been fine. I've not had to eat canned beans of ramen, right. um, but it's very different to consider profit and taking on additional people. And um, yeah, yeah. So that's been my more recent challenge. I, I agree with you, man. It's a night and day step from yeah. running your own business. So first of all, lots of people think that they want to run their own business. And I, I, one thing they don't realize is that a lot of people are actually terrible bosses. <laughs> Right? Like I've had any number of friends of mine that have wanted to go independent, freelance, this, that, or the other thing, but it's it's not for them and it's not for everyone. And that's totally fine, right? But then assuming you already are doing your own thing, it is a big jump to then take on the responsibility of not only hiring someone else, but then managing them. And then everything that comes along with that in terms of like, you know, handling the payroll and the taxes and the uh, healthcare plans. And I mean, yada, yada, yada. There's just so much stuff involved there. But I mean, Matt, I always envisioned you as someone who had a, a chest filled with Confederate dollars and gold bullion buried somewhere in your backyard. And that would be your retirement plan. Is that about right? I'm going to have to think about how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> but no, it's a little bit, it's a little bit more conventional than that. Okay. All right. Fair I mean, enough. I appreciate the image that paints, but sure. <laughs> hey, Patrick, how about you? Like, have you run into some of the stuff that Steven is talking about? Huh. Yeah, I, I've definitely had times of lean cash flow. We try to have at least two to three months of, you know, if everything dried up and nothing came in, you know, we could, you know, keep going and either do some internal projects or do whatever needs to be done, you know, until the next big deal comes in. Try to have that. The other thing, and I feel like we had a discussion about this early on and, you know, in one of the first episodes, I found it's really helpful to have in my fresh books or whatever accounting software you use, like all the drafts uh, for all the invoices you're going to be mm. sending out over the next coming months. That just helps me feel better and feel like, okay, I have some idea that over the next four months, there's X coming in or uh, whatever it is. And I can kind of feel okay, you know, we need to fill the the funnel a little bit if there's not too much down the road. And you know, that there just aren't that many dollars in drafts. And, I, and I, I'm very careful to not put like speculative projects in there. I only put ones that we have like a contract signed. You know, I don't put things that I hope are going to come through in there. Right. That's been helpful for me. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, I, you know, it, I definitely hear it. I, you know, the other thing that I've always done so far, I've only had contractors. I haven't done employees. So there's mm. that 
you know, feeling that, okay, if the work dries up, then I, I don't have a, okay, I have to fire people conversation. That being said, I have a contractor who's been with me for years now to the point where he's like my employee. Although I'll say that I did not say that for IRS purposes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, there is a, a feeling there that when we've had slow times, I've, I've paid him because I want to make sure, you know, he's putting food on the table with the work I bring in. Right. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely understand a lot of where Stephen's coming from. The, the other thing that, and I'd be curious, Stephen, to know, yeah, you know, when you talked about, uh, I guess the employee part is where it can really change, but we're we're pretty careful that we only bill as milestones are coming up. So we only get we get paid when we complete work, and so we're never, you know, getting paid up front and running down that money. We're you know, there's kind of a continual burn of your, you know, the funds come in over the course of the project. Is that what you were doing or do today? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. So, I mean, I think I used to do the whole 50, 50, you know, 50 up front, 50 down, like at the end, and then that would have cash flow problems. <laughs> but that wasn't my issue. Like I, I, I did switch to where I primarily now, especially for a larger project um, where we'll kind of do more of a scheduled payment. It's almost like a payment plan throughout the course of the expected length of the project. So for example, we think a project's going to be five months and we'll do six month inv- six invoices where the last invoice is held until we're actually done. But at that point, it's not 50%. It's whatever smaller percentage, you know, it is. Sure. Um, and so I'm kind of fine at that point. So we have, so I've kind of paced things out financially in that sense. Uh, I've also moved a lot of clients more to just monthly retainer stuff mm-hmm. um, as opposed to, well, whenever you have a little feature project, then we'll, we'll just do that project. It's harder when you have these little projects that you just never know when they're going to land to have that stability of cash flow. So I've kind of pushed our clients to like, we need to just have a monthly budget set and you just pay that and we'll give some leeway like with a month, you know, give or take of when the hours kind of float over. Float over. The other the other thing for me, I, I liked what you're talking about, like that that sense of creating that draft and the invoice system. And so you can kind of see, um, I, I think that one of the things that's been hugely helpful for me is, so I have a spreadsheet that I've created where I, I, I can forecast all my stuff out. So I, I've forecasted right now, I forecasted through the end of the year. Like I know where things are through the end of the year. And I know how much money I need to be making if I'm going to have like these, like we have like five contractors now, five staff really. So some of our contractors, some of our more. And I, and I, I kind of treat them the same way. I treat them somewhat salaried in the sense that they're all international. So like none of them are in the US, but they, I pay them on a regular pay schedule too. So I pay them on the, on the 10th and the 25th and they, they still, they send me invoices kind of for the, for their hours in that time. So they get a regular pace. It's like a regular pace uh, check essentially, you know, it's kind of how it does for the hours that they've accrued over the time. But I know when I'm going to be pushing that money out. So I can forecast that now. So I know I'll possibly be getting this money, you know, this check in, in November, but I know also every single 10th and 25th, I have these expenses. And so it, I, I can control my forecasting better in that way as well by having regular pay, not just for myself, but for my team. So anybody who I bring on, even if they're just doing like, you know, a short two month project with me and I just kind of say, hey, can you help us out? Like I let them know, hey, send me your invoice on the 11th. Or on the 26th, and then I'll pay you the following 10th mm-hmm. or 25th, you know? And so it, it helps me to control cash flow. And then obviously having the, the income kind of be on a more monthly basis. So I'm not playing that whole, oh, I've got a huge check now and I need to make sure I hold on to it, you know, and, yeah. and type of stuff. I like to just space it out. So that's, I mean, that's helped me. Other people might have other systems and stuff, but again, it's kind of like that. That, that gives me a lot more control and forecasting ability. So Jonathan, what about you in terms of how you are managing with the money that's coming in, money that's going out, 
Yeah, I um, I sort of have done something that I heard Stephen mention earlier, which is trying to have more like passive income. And right. so instead of relying on huge projects, like a couple of huge projects per year, one of them falls through, you're you're going to be in a real a real pinch. I've tried to sort of as projects are done, convert people over to some kind of, you know, maintenance and support type agreement which we we did an entire show on. But this is hugely helpful because then you're you're really able to plan out uh, cash flow that way because you have guaranteed money that you know is going to come in no matter what. And so this has been a huge, a huge help to me. I'm um, switching to that model. Um, and then also I've started doing something recently that uh, I used to have this thing where like I never wanted to fire a client, mm. but it started causing me problems in terms of my time was getting tied up with clients that aren't necessarily even profitable to me. Right. So I'll attempt to convert some of these clients over to like a, a that kind of arrangement. And if it doesn't work out, I've been placing them with other people. And so it's helpful um, just to be able to reclaim a little bit of your unpredictable time. And that helps as well. That's helped me as well too. not having to have these clients to just kind of call you whenever out of the blue, just to sort of have more predictability with cash flow and with time. I have this cute little image in my mind of the island of the, the misfit clients where you send yeah. where you send all of your yeah. clients that don't fit in. <laughs> but no, that's exactly that you basically read my mind in that Stephen had mentioned trimming the fat in his own business by potentially getting rid of, you know, employees or contractors or, you know, whatever. I was going to ask, you know, is anyone trimming the fat in terms of getting rid of clients that aren't profitable? And it sounds like you're doing exactly that. Yeah. And it's not like I always felt bad about it because a lot of these clients are clients that I've had for years and they were there like from the beginning. And a lot of them sort of have always been there for me and I've always been there for them. And I feel like some of them allowed me to sort of make the jump into doing this um, because they gave me their business. So deep down inside, I never wanted to sort of sever that tie. But by the same token, like it's business is business, right? Yeah. And, and do what so do what restaurants like, do, Jonathan. Do what restaurants yeah. do. Just take the dollar, <laughs> frame it, yeah. put it up, put yeah. it up on the wall, but you don't have to keep the the, the, right. the diner. <laughs> it's, it's not an emotional thing. Yeah. Or I can't shouldn't be an emotional thing. Yeah, yeah. So like that's that's been a huge help to me is just sort of unburdening myself from from a lot of this what time wasting things that have been tying me up with these kind of clients. And that allows you to have more time to and devote to your business and to the clients that actually do matter and the projects that do matter. And I think something that is super important, if you want to run a profitable business, if you want to lose weight, if you want to do any number of these things that require discipline, you have to be brutally honest with yourself. Like you absolutely oh, have yeah. to. You cannot, you know, say, oh, it's going to get better or, you know, hide things like it just it just doesn't work. Right, Stephen? I mean, this stuff, it always comes back, right? It definitely does not work. That's yeah. like- something I've learned the hard way for sure. Like you, yeah, you've got to be able to, to be able to talk about real facts and not, you know, the feeling. So I think it'll be a better word. This, you know, if you find yourself kind of like, Hey, yeah, this, this, this month kind of feels good. Or like, I don't know, this month doesn't feel good, but you can't really talk about the specific numbers right. for it. Then, then you're probably in trouble. Um, you're probably not operating in a sustainable way that will really lead you to, to be more profitable. Cause the thing is, is like, yeah, I mean, once you start paying attention, you look at the numbers, there are probably things you can do to be profitable quicker. And I think that you enjoy my my take is that as I've been able to become profitable, it makes me enjoy the business more because in a lot of ways, you know, it's it's kind of this cliche of like, I'm not just it's not just a job anymore. Like the company is actually like rewarding me for starting it, you right. know? 
Right. And so to get that that reward. And so the way it's set up too, and I use the profit first system is you're supposed to pay yourself the defaults. Like if you're just kind of like, I don't know what numbers to use. Like the default is in that profit account you start creating, you're supposed to pay yourself as the owner or however many owners there are, you take 50% of that and you pay it to the owners every quarter. Right. So that you get kind of the the business, like the 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 positive aspect of owning the business. That's not your salary. Your salary is supposed to be paying you based on what value you actually bring to the day in, day out of the, of the company. But as an owner of the business, then you take a part of that profit and stuff there too. And so like even for me, I'm excited for next year for like our core team members who have been around a while, we're going to be doing profit sharing for the first time. You know, and that's something I could have never dreamed of, you know? Right. So yeah. Doing the safe harbor thing? No, no, no. Well, so the brutal honesty, I didn't mean just being honest with yourself, which I think is true, but being honest and being pragmatic from the point of view that you can say, you can look at the numbers and you can say, you know what, this person that has worked with me with me for X number of years, like, I can't support you anymore. And you have to be able to make that decision and, and make that judgment and say, I'm going to have to let you go. And it's not easy. And it's not yeah. fun. Right? Yeah. And Matt, have you done something with that recently? Yeah, I mean, my my biggest threat is me and how I choose to spend my time. And I I go into meta mode where I wonder, you know, where can I spend time better? And usually, it's talking to myself. Like, do you really? Should you really be doing that? And, and I've been, I've said that to you, you on a are, yeah, that's what you say. You're like, well, that's neat. Why are you doing that? <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm just trying to take. I'm trying to enjoy all these little quests that I, I go on to try and learn things and figure out how things work, but then make more of them make money. Right. Uh, or, you know, at least break even instead of just drain time. Yeah. So that's where I am now. Well, um, so, so Stephen, you implemented this system. Yeah. And you've, no. So number one, you started thinking about it. You started thinking about profitability, profitability. You started thinking about cash flow and expenses and all that kind of stuff. So that's an important step. And then he started implementing a system. You were trimming the fat. You were making sure to put money in different buckets so that you had a handle on what was coming in and what was going out. How has it gone for you? It's been great. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's just night and day. So I mean, the, I mean, I think a part of it is just just I don't know how to put it other than that. Like it's like I know exactly as I said before. Like I know where things are by the end of this year. You know, and and that's something I could have never imagined, kind of knowing. So like for example, I for a long time it was just two of us. So I, I've been. I had on my team, so Michael Van Dort's been with me since about 2013, and we've had other people kind of come and go. But because of the stability of figuring out like where we are, we have good clients, we're able to merge them in. But like I, the fact that I have a team of of like five people now, and that kind of happening over the past last year essentially, and that in the midst of having a team of five people, that we are more and more profitable, and that I can take care of them confidently. You know, and, and provide them that work is just, I mean, it's obviously personally rewarding and gives me a lot of relief. Right. Um, so yeah, it gives my I mean, wife a lot of relief. Well, if you know that the money is going to be there and you can pay for these people, then that stress is gone. And that's a big stress. You yeah, know, it's yeah. a big stress, whether it's providing for your family or it's providing for your employees. Like that is a stress. You know, it's 100% something that uh, everyone who's been in that position feels. Right. Yeah. It, it's made me, I think the other thing is it's allowed me now to start thinking about the company as a business, as opposed to just doing work. Right. Like now I, I'm starting to understand like 
who we are and like what type of things do we want to continue to do. And so like I can kind of now start to really, as you're talking about the beginning of the show, really of like, do we have a business plan? I'm now I've like figured out some of the finances. The first plan is to make sure we have money. <laughs> uh, the next thing is like now that we have, you know, some of that that freedom and we have a team and we have stuff like now I can really kind of guide the ship of like, well, who who is this company? Like, what is it going to be? I, and I can start thinking about those things, which is fun as opposed to just kind of project managing stuff and getting stuff in. So like to me, it's it's just becoming more and more rewarding to be able to, to, to really feel like I now own a business and I own a company that's going to have a direction right? as opposed to like random clients. Do you want to do this thing? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. You know, we, we, yeah. Yeah, because you, you as an employer, you're a buffer between the clients and your employees from the point of view of they work certain number of hours, you're paying them out, whether the client has paid their bill or not. Have you run into situations or, or anyone here run into situations where you have a, you look at your balance sheet and you look at the outstanding invoices and there's plenty of money that should be coming in from these outstanding invoices. You know, we've got a whole bunch of invoice stuff out, but the invoices don't come in. Anyone been in that situation? I know some people personally that are very, you know, they've been freelancing for a very long time and they have very healthy five-figure invoices that are just laying out there for 90 days, 120 days, you know? Yeah. I've yeah, had- it's happened, yeah. Yeah, I, I, we had one client uh, that, yeah, yeah, I don't want to get too deep into it, but they just decided they didn't want to pay. And oh, uh, yeah, they, it, it wasn't that they were unhappy with the website. Uh, it, it gets into there was a, a person in the middle who was kind of the contact between us and who was eventually paying the bills, which that's something that I, I kind of changed going forward. I, you know, I'd rather not work with, you know, or rather not be disconnected from the people who are ultimately paying the bill. But I don't want to get too much into politics, but you've heard about people who don't pay their contractors and can sometimes use non-payment as a way of trying to get you to do more work for them because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're like, well, maybe if I do this one little feature for them, then I'll finally get paid and had a little bit of that go on. I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I was never so happy to find that there was a bug on their website. There was a fairly major bug. And, uh, they, you know, then they got, oh, we have a bug on our website. You need to fix this bug that you pay me. Yeah, so it, it just happened to show up. Huh? It did. It, it was one of, it was kind of time-based. It wasn't until they used a video feature on the website or something uh, that wasn't there for go live that, that eventually came up. So it wasn't like I planted a bug in there or anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. It, and yeah, it was really, I've never, I've had this happen once in, gosh, like eight years now of doing this where, you know, they're like, oh yeah, the checks in the mail went out yesterday. Complete lie. Just mm. I've never seen any. It was, yeah. Yeah. And that that reminds me of Mike Montiero. I don't know. I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, but he did. Montero, yeah. Montero yep. did a talk back in 2011. If you pay me. Yeah. There goes our, our rating yeah. on this podcast, but it's, it's <laughs> basically, it it's if you pay me, you know, and that's my attitude on stuff like this. You know what I mean? Like if you're, if you just can't do that. You know, I mean, you just can't do that. That's honestly the benefit. So like, I think if people are struggling with that, I think that's the benefit of breaking down the payments into, into smaller chunks, Um, whether you need to milestone them, sounds like Patrick, like you do, or it's time-based or it's, you know, Mm -hmm. straight hours. Like, and you kind of go into that? Like, I know there's a whole thing too, about like charging on value and on the project level. I I used to fight all that too. And just like, oh, let me, let me try to get the most money out of this project and, you know, and and do that. But I've just gone to the now. I just, I I don't care. Like, I just want it to be flat, even, you know, time and materials is what I prefer. And so what you can do with that is then you just make sure that as certain time as, as has gone by on hours you've logged, you can just wait for the next invoice and, and you don't start the next round until they pay it. So that's, that's exactly what I was going to ask. So you, you basically just stop 
development yeah. until the next one's met. Okay. Yeah. We have yeah. one right now that, I mean, well, I'm sure we'll start again and they'll pay and stuff, but like, yeah, we just paused. I just told our developer, I was like, Hey, pause this project. Go work on this other one until, you know, until the, the next payment's paid. So I used to do 50, 52. And then I went to milestones, but even then I only usually break them down into four. And even that's a problem. So my, my brother lived in Spain for a very long time. And he said that one of the, the common expressions that they had there was, uh, if you pretend to pay me, I'll pretend to work. nice yeah (laughs) i have a question for the whole group actually i'd like to start with steven but i so i think a lot of this seems like it boils down to discipline and for me discipline is how you choose to spend your time because that's Mm. the part that i've already mentioned i'm learning um so we have doing work which is where we're you know like doing the things and every one of us here spends time to some degree steering the ship and steven you've talked about that the most what does like in the course of a week, how much time do you spend or do you, you know, do you tend to spend doing, you know, work, managing projects, stuff like that, and then spending time at this meta level of of ensuring, you know, the health and profitability and kind of steering of, of the business? Yeah. So and for me, we don't have a project manager at this point. So I'm managing projects. So I'm very aware of then kind of what hours are spent and like I know what budgets are for them. So in some sense, every day on a project level, I'm kind of watching stuff, but on a just big meta forecasting where the real numbers and the the numbers in the books and where the, you know, all that stuff. I, I do that weekly. So I have dedicated time in my schedule on Thursdays where I do, and I just do it all at once. I do my personal finances and my business finances in this one block of mm. um, about two to three hours um, where I just kind of comb through every single detail. And out of that, I have a deliverable for myself that I have my spreadsheet that I can see is updated with all this stuff, which is essentially my kind of reconciling what's been done, but also my forecasting for what what has been discussed and what contracts are possibly, you know, what the pace of contracts are going to be in payments. And then, yeah, just kind of seeing, yeah, just kind of do all that. And then on the personal side, I just have my own deliverables as well. Um, so I can show my wife, you know, basically my accountability partner is my wife now in that sense of like, I need to be able to always show my wife what is going on in the business and the personal side without using emotional language of like, well, it feels like it's going well, you right. know. I need to be able to show her, here are the numbers. You can decide if that feels good or not. And so that's what I have to avoid. And so that's the system I've created for myself. I just do it every week. And Matt, I'm going to answer your your question in a second, but I wanted to do a, a quick tangent. I had a situation where I was running my company and it was uh, the opposite situation. We were doing incredibly well, right? And one of the things that I had gotten a bee in my bonnet about was no credit card debt. Like I, I hated credit card debt, didn't want to have anything to do with it. So the only credit cards I had were an American Express that you have to pay off at the end of the month and debit cards, both for the business and myself personally, right? And part of that is just, you know, uh, getting rid of the temptation, right? Mm-hmm. But, it, it's, but it's also a system that makes it really kind of easy to, to live and work by. So what I did was I, and I think at the time, I think we had a dozen or so employees is I called each employee into the office individually. And I said, okay, look, find out how much household credit card debt you have, bring it into me tomorrow with the statements and one time reset, I'm going to pay it off. Right. The business is going to give you a bonus that will pay off this credit card debt. And usually the only thing you have to do is give me a, an agreement where you say, OK, I'm not going to get another credit card. I'm canceling all of my credit cards. So let me carry balances. <laughs> Fine. You know, it's just a you know gentleman's agreement or ladies agreement or whatever you want to call it. But the reason I'm telling this story is that there were a number of employees that I called in and, you know, I would say, oh, you know, how much credit card debt do you think you have? And they would be like, oh, you know, maybe, you know, 9,000. 
You know, if they're earning like 80000 a year, $9,000 in credit card debt, if you do the math, it's actually pretty high <laughs> in terms yeah. of how long it's going to take you to pay that off, assuming you have other expenses. There are a number of them that they came back the next day and they're like, you know what? My wife actually managed the credit cards. And this one guy said it wasn't 9000 It was $27,000 <laughs> in debt that they had because she, what she was, she didn't, same reason you didn't want to tell. no until, yeah. He had no idea. Yeah. Same reason wow. why she didn't, you didn't want to tell your wife. She didn't want to tell him because her job was paying these bills and she was doing that, you know, credit card roulette where you would cancel the credit card and you transfer with a zero, zero percent interest transfers and was, you know, constantly balancing stuff back and right, you know, left and right. Yeah. And the only reason I'm mentioning this is like, I know from personal experience, like this is not, this is not uncommon at all that, you know, one partner will hide debt from the other, you know? And when it's really hard is when when you have both partners who aren't facing reality with it. So even if they are honest between yeah. them, and then but neither of them is really willing to kind of change anything about it, whether their lifestyles too expensive still, right. or you know whatever the case is, you know for them. But like they still don't get the severity of it, right? And that's also just really really hard. But yeah. um, no, and and not to stretch this analogy too thin, but the, in the same way that your body reflects your lifestyle right? Your account balance reflects your budgeting, right? So if you're living by, beyond your means, it doesn't matter how much money you're making, right? You could be making $100,000 a week and still live beyond your means. It makes no difference. So you really do have to get a handle on that and be on board with your, your partner about, you know, hey, this actually matters. And, and that is one of the things I made these employees do is like we took their number and we said, okay, if you make the minimum number of payments, it's going to take you 35 years to pay off this debt. And they were just looking at it like, holy crap, <laughs> Like I made them go through the motions of, you know, and how much money would you pay in interest? And it was like, it was something like triple the, the actual debt they had or some crazy stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, and I think that this is one of the reasons why I mentioned that just thinking about it is important, right? Just thinking about, you know, my budget and how much is coming in and then being honest with yourself about it. It's super important if you're ever going to be successful at this or anything. But to get back to the question that Matt was kind of asking, I'm kind of terrible about it because what I tend to do is I tend to try to get really good at the things that I enjoy doing and the things that I don't enjoy doing, I just try to avoid doing them. <laughs> Right? So my inclination is to grow a business or grow a revenue stream to the point where I just kind of don't really have to worry about some of this stuff, you know? Now, obviously, I'm paying attention to it from the point of view of I am putting money aside, I've got X number of months, but I would much rather work to generate more income than I would to manicure the business, if that makes sense. It makes sense. That, that's what I wanted to do. Right. But didn't, wasn't able to do. Right. You know. Um, but Patrick, what about, uh, what's your take on what Matthew was asking? In terms of how much time do you spend actually running the businessy business part of things? Yeah. I, I, so, I mean, I struggle a little bit with the part of the question was, how much time do you spend actually working? Uh, just being more of a business owner sometimes than developer can make me feel like I'm not working. But at the same time... <laughs> You know, chasing emails and being in meetings, they're kind of vital. doesn't always feel like they're vital, but they are. Yeah, in terms of the administrative side, cause I've had people talk to me and you know, say, oh, you should come on board. And that way you won't have to deal with the, you know, chasing down invoices and things like that. I actually spend a 
pretty small amount of time doing that between different SaaS offerings that will bug clients for me if they're overdue and proposals that let me kind of, you know, quite mail merge, but help write that stuff pretty easily. I, I keep that pretty minimal, but there are times where I feel like, like I look back on the day and I'm like, what did I actually accomplish today? What did I do today? That's <laughs> far too common a feeling. I know what you did. You went to see a Marvel movie the day it came out. Well, yeah, that happens. Sometimes <laughs> I see them twice in a 24-hour span, but uh, yeah, that, that's also why I love kind of the, the running your own business and being a freelancer. Right. How we want to think about it is that you get to decide if, you know, you know what, I really want to see Far From Home because that movie was unbelievably right. good or go to my daughter's you know kindergarten thing. And yeah, you can look back as someone whose father couldn't make all those things because, you know, he, uh, he also ran his own business, but it was very different than an internet business. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 And I... I, I totally get where you're coming from because I, I've always kind of been a product guy in that I think the product is the most important thing. And yes, I realize that marketing and, uh, you know, the biz dev stuff is all important too, but I've always been more focused on making the product really good and then everything else will come, right? Kind of field of dreams-ish kind of thing. And when you're a freelancer, you are the product, right? So one thing you can do is focus on making yourself, you know, highly proficient in what you do. So you kind of don't have to worry that much about the rest of it, but it really is super important. And Jonathan, then how about you? How much time do you spend on the meta business part of this stuff? And, you know, what's your attitude towards it? It's like almost uh, strange that we're talking about this right now because I've in the last two to three months, I've really started devoting a lot more time to this. Mm. Um, not, not because I found myself in some hole or something, but I started getting the willies about it, I guess. Like I, I've heard these kind of stories before. And like, I, I think I speak for all of us. Like you're, we all appreciate your candor on this, Stephen, because everybody screws up, but it's really hard to talk about it. But when we do talk about it, it benefits everybody because mm-hmm. you kind of, you, you can have this tendency, especially if you're like a one man shop looking out on people that you perceive as being, you know, super successful and you, sort of like Facebook syndrome, like people <laughs> yeah. like to protect their, their successes and, you know, all their, their pictures of themselves in Hawaii on their vacation, but they don't, nobody likes to talk about the bad stuff, but it is helpful because, um, it, you don't develop this mindset that like everybody else has got, got everything together and you're just like a total screw up. Um, everybody makes mistakes and everybody screws up, but I, I started thinking about this about two to three months ago. And yeah, I've just been really cleaning house a lot lately, not even in terms of like some of the financial stuff. So, you know, actually making a plan, actually, you know, having like a business development strategy, but even things like time management. And, and as I mentioned before, like how I conduct myself with my clients and um, I, I know yeah, I was like I was area. shocked like you brought me in on a conference call and you actually had like a timeline and you had time blocked off. I was very it's impressed. Not me at all, man. That's not me at all. But like I'm really I have I have some of the most frustrating moments of my life in terms of my professional career. Hmm. They've all been my fault. hundred percent. Right. hundred percent. And so um, I'm about to have three kids. Like I just, that's probably another part of it. So oh my god, I'm yeah. <laughs> pregnant, and we're having our third child. And so uh, I started thinking, like, in terms of all the things we've been doing, because we've been getting ready for that. You know, getting a house ready and like right. trying to do everything we've got to do before that happens. My, if anybody wants to buy pretty much a brand new Prius, uh, let me you know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So like the business was also a part of that. I mean, like, I think a part of it for me was I was able to be a little bit more lazy than I should have been because I could get away with it. Right. I yep. think very soon I'm not going to be in a situation where I can get away with it anymore. Yeah. Because you, because you, you, 
Well, you screwed up, though. You know why you screwed up? Oh, uh, yeah. Please tell me. You screwed up because <laughs> they outnumber you now, man. It's all oh, over. I, I know. <laughs> it's all over. I know. I, and like the, I th- I've told you this, Andrew, but um, like we were so done having kids, especially like we have a, we have a son who was born with a very serious medical problem. That's basically a two year ordeal or a almost a year and a half ordeal for us. That plus, you know, we were just done. We were done having kids. We gave all our stuff away. So like when we found out we were pregnant, we had just given away like cribs and maternity clothes. Like, oh. we were... <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> kind of funny, but um but yeah, so like I think that was part of it too. Is just I sort of had this spark in me that was that uh, I needed to sort of right the ship a little bit before before baby number three gets here. And the business was definitely a part of that. But I'm much happier too. So like even just in this, you know, maybe like I said, one one to two months, I find that it's it's a lot less stressful. All right. Well, remind me that reminds me sometime. Remind me to tell you about Doctor Stop. Is legit a local doctor that does vasectomies. His name is Doctor Stop. Oh, I'm not even. I'm not even making it up. But Steven, it's been great having you on. But I think that about wraps it up for another episode of the DevMode.fm podcast. To have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS or subscribe via iTunes and Google Play. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. Seriously, I've been watching the stats. No one has left us a review in the past couple it's months. Been a while. Come on, yeah, get on it, people. Yeah. And Brand- we have listeners, but yeah. Well, you know what Brandon's going to say? He's going to be like, well, no one's going to hear this anyway. Because he, he thinks oh. I should do it at the beginning, but I don't want to annoy people anyway. You can also follow us on Twitter at DevMode.fm. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Leave us a comment on the DevMode.fm website for the DevMode.fm podcast. I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Patrick Harrington. I'm Jonathan Melville. And I'm Matt Stein. And thank you, Stephen Callender from Foster Commerce. Stephen? <laughs> Did you want me to say something? Yes. They should just saying thank you. Like NPR is just like they just cut off. You know, they're like, yeah, thank you. And like the person's like, never listened to the pod before. He's got his own. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but where I, I come from, when someone, when someone, when someone says thank you, you normally say you're welcome or thank you or something like that. But you know, you can do whatever you want to do. Let's just call the show. Here we go. I was just hey. holding his guitar, waiting. I think that was excellent. I really do have a Dr. Stop story that I will tell at some point. I'm, I'm willing to fly in to see Dr. Stop. <laughs> All right. Stopping that.